Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Look, regular listeners know that I am a fan of hip-hop. To tell you the truth, anyone around my age is probably a fan. Hip-hop is more than music. It's a culture. A culture that was born in the Bronx on this very day in 1973. We'll briefly explain that history in a minute. But I want you to think right now, if you're a fan of hip-hop, what was your favorite moment? What was the song that got your attention? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'd love to hear what you come up with. Now, hip-hop has a powerful way of bringing people together. I've met lifelong friends because we've shared a love for the same songs and artists. I'm sure some of you have that too. Community is the heartbeat of hip-hop culture. And here in Nashville, organizations and businesses are coming together to celebrate. But before we get into that, let's give you a quick history on how hip-hop was born. Fifty years ago today, a musical phenomenon was born. It happened at 1520 Sedgwick Avenue in the Bronx Borough of New York City. There, an 18-year-old man by the name of Clive Campbell tried out an idea that changed the world. Campbell was known in the Bronx as DJ Cool Herc. He was throwing parties, and he borrowed the technique from the disco DJs at the Manhattan clubs. He decided to use two turntables for his parties instead of one. This allowed him to play music continuously and keep the party goers on the dance floor. Now, on this day, August 11th, 1973, he tried something different. You see, at his parties, Cool Herc played heavy funk that was popular with folks at the time. Artists like James Brown, the Tower of Power, the Honey Dribbles. They had heavy horns, rousing bass lines, crazy guitar in their compositions. But almost all the records relied on the drums to set the rhythm. There's a section where all the instruments drop out, except for the drums. This is known as the break. One, two, three, four, get it! Whenever the song got to the break, Cool Herc noticed that the crowd got hype. They got super amped. So he came up with this idea. He used both turntables to create an infinite loop of the break. With the turntables, he toggled back and forth, taking what's normally a two or four bar break and turning it into an eternal beat for folks to dance to. He calls the technique the merry-go-round. So here's how it works. We're broadcasting in stereo. So we're gonna make the right channel turntable one, the left channel, turntable two. Got it? All right. So we're going to cue up something like, let's say, the Honey Drippers impeach the president and drop that on turntable one. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the Honey Drippers in the house tonight. And they just got back At the same time, he cues up the same exact section of the song on turntable two. And with the crossfader on the mixer, he switches back to the beginning and... Okay, so bring back record one. Once he's mastered the rhythm, he keeps the loop going on 
forever. 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 Ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so needless to say, this was a hit. Word got out, and Cool Herc was doing parties everywhere. Other folks across New York would hear about it, and you guessed it, DJs picked up and started using the merry-go-round technique themselves. So soon there were DJ battles. One crew would be on one side of the park with their sound system, their rivals across the park waiting with their own sound system. Some members of the DJ's crew would grab the microphone and MC, guiding the crowd through the party while reminding them which crew is the best. One, two, one, two. And you say, we still got a little more time left to rock, Herculoids. And you say, to Whack Jack. And you say, Lois Lane and Cool Jerk. This record is dedicated to you. Hip-hop culture exploded. It was about artistic expression, creating something new. Dancers known as B-boys and B-girls began to invent acrobatic moves that became the foundation of breakdancing. Artists grabbed cans of spray paint and began to use new aspects of design as they would tag old subway cars and walls everywhere in the city. Those are the four elements of hip-hop, DJing, MCing, b-boying, and graffiti. Those elements grew to become a force in the music industry and global culture, all thanks to a party. A party in a small rec room in the Bronx, a party that Cool Herc played as a favor to his sister Cindy for her back-to-school fundraiser. Fifty years later, I'm here at the Bonafide Gym and Community Center in North Nashville, where folks got together to honor hip hop by maintaining the essence of the original jam. Local organizations and businesses have joined in a collaborative effort to bring the celebration to fruition. It's quite the list. Liberated Grounds, The Trap Garden, Bonafide Gym, the National Museum of African American Music, Candy, Slimmin' Huskies, and Amazon are all taking part. Davina Mims from Amazon explains the inspiration behind the event. This event is truly birthed out of a love and a passion for hip hop. We wanted to really draw in on some of those core elements of hip hop. Feeling that energy, we thought it would be right to make sure that whatever we did benefited the youth in some way. And so we teamed up to build bikes for these kids and to stuff school supplies and treats for them in a bag to let them know that we care and that the community is behind them. We're also here to just celebrate hip hop. Look, they're doing a lot. Candade is donating 100 bikes to be built and given to the kids. That's the essence of hip hop culture, bringing community together. Although hip hop is only 50 years old, it's another branch of the American musical tree. 
Candace Jones from NAMAM talks about how the museum helps to bring awareness to those roots. As soon as you come into our doors, you're going to be greeted by music that you might be familiar with, music that you might not be familiar with. When you go into our galleries, you will see over 400 plus years of music history. And you'll see that kind of displayed throughout the decades, connecting to all the genres, including hip hop. In the past 50 years, hip-hop has become the signature sound of the moment. Millions of people tested their skills to become the next great hip-hop artist, myself included. Look, it's an attractive career path, one that garners a lot of attention but is hard to grasp, making the importance of local success stories important for Kevin Walker with Candade and Slim and Huskies. He wants to show the youth there are other ways to make it besides rocking the mic. Where I'm from and with the communities that we serve, children only feel like they have maybe a couple of options to be successful. And it's important for them to see, especially with Slim and Huskies, hey, these are three guys who grew up in Nashville, just like y'all. They joined together, had a dream, stuck with their plan, and now they're successful. So it's important to see success beyond hip hop or sports. You can, you can own a garage and be successful. Now Ronald Hayes runs the Bonafide Gym and Community Center. He's a martial arts instructor and mentor, and he infuses lessons from martial arts into hip hop culture. For him, the two go hand in hand. Martial arts and the themes and philosophies are all throughout the music and hip hop, whether it is Wu-Tang Clan or it's the Poison Clan, the old Kung Fu Ocean Shores and Shaw Brothers movies. Uh, you can't uh, extract them out of the hip hop culture. But when it comes to the children, Wu-Tang is for the children. We teach the children. Wu-Tang is for the children. We teach the children. Wu-Tang is for the children. We teach the children. The visual element of hip-hop is known as graffiti, or tagging. Once it was known as a public nuisance, but now graffiti art is a platform for young artists to express themselves, and it often serves as a gateway into other forms of art. Mural artist Woke 3 with Liberated Grounds is commemorating the event with a mural that takes up the entire back wall of the Bonafide Gym and Community Center. For him, the mural has a deeper meaning. This mural right here actually says heel hop. And so with the theme of this mural is more about healing. When hip is to know, heal is to heal. Hop is the movement. So heal, hop, we're healing ourselves. And that's like the whole theme of the mural. It has the elements of hip hop in it. But at the same time, I don't want it to be the typical hip hop mural. It's more reflective of the community it's in right now. Hip hop, like all forms of music, helps us to get in touch with our feelings. Think about your life and how important moments of celebration or grief are reflected in song. Woke 3's family experienced tragedy with the loss of his nephew. He grabbed his can of spray paint to address the pain. Painting the mural is healing. When I lost my nephew, instead of like sitting around like, oh, moping, it was more of, let me start painting. And then I, as I'm painting, I'm starting to feel a bit better. I'm starting to have more ideas and things. It don't have to be, you know, dark or grungy or anything like that. It can be bright, it can be colorful. You know, healing looks like a whole bunch of different things. But with this, I just want kids to see the colors, feel good about it.
For half a century, hip hop has been inviting expression, gathering community, generating healing, and serving as a beacon of hope for millions of people across the world. Who knows what the next 50 years will bring? Will hip hop still be around? Back in the 70s and 80s, many thought it was a fad. Time and the youth told us differently. For many people, hip hop is a part of them. Or as Kevin Walker says, I'm of the hip hop generation. I am uh, born and bred a hip hop American. Hip hop American. Now that has a nice ring to it. You know I couldn't let everyone go without getting their top three albums, right? Top three albums. Ooh, that's a hard one, but I'll say... Outkast, Aquemini. So top three albums, I would have to say Blueprint. Um, it's always between Food and Liquor by Lupe Fiasco and The Cool. Uh, All Eyes on Me by Tupac. Um, it Takes a Nation. Eric B's, Eric B and Rakim's, Eric B as President. I'm gonna go way back and say uh, Big Daddy Kane, because I grew up listening to him. Criminal Minded. And Cube's America's Most Wanted. Good Kid, Mad City by Kendrick Lamar. Um, as far as my, my third, man, I have to say, ah, man, Tupac used to be up there, but now it's starting to feel like Nas. Ah, I say Illmatic, man. And it changes. It changes. Like, it, that's not a fair question. <laughs> Speaker Box, The Love Below by Outkast. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Straight out of Compton. And my third would probably be N.W.A. because I'm from Compton. What's up? Tell them where you're from. Straight out of Compton. The Hip Hop Parade Community Service Day happens today and tomorrow at Bonafide Gym and Community Center. All right, we have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk with two nationally recognized writers about how the media's coverage of hip hop helped it to go global. What is your favorite? Who is your favorite hip hop artist or group? Tell us at This Is Nashville. Tweet us. We'll be right back. Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Hip-hop music and culture have covered the planet since it was born 50 years ago to the day. Head to any corner of the United States and you'll find hip-hop. Travel around the world and you'll hear MCs rapping in all kinds of languages. The impact is still growing today. Hip-hop journalism has grown with the culture, and now there are publications and channels dedicated to capturing every moment. Someone has to tell people where the not next hot sound is coming from, right? My next guests have been in the know for years. Angela Nissel is the author of The Broke Diaries, co-executive producer for the television show The Last OG, and she co-founded OK Player with Amir Questlove Thompson. Now, OK Player is an online hip-hop website that Rolling Stone calls the tastemaker. And Dan Charnas is an award-winning music and business writer. His book, Dilla Time, The Life and Afterlife of Dilla, the hip-hop producer who reinvented rhythm, is a New York Times bestseller. Angela, Dan, thank you so much for being here on this special day. Welcome to This Is Nashville. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Really appreciate you both. Now, I, I, I want to know, I want to get to it. 
you know, I'd love to hear your introductions to hip hop. Angela, what was your introduction to hip hop? Whew, my introduction to hip hop was being the only black child on an all white bus in Philly and hearing all the Roxanne's respond to UTFO, Roxanne, Roxanne. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like at the bus stop listening to all that? Oh my God, it was amazing. Like you just didn't hear women talking back to men if you heard them at all at that point, you know? And it was just, I thought somebody that looks like me has a voice and I just fell in love. You know, it's tough to keep track of all the Roxannes. I remember that time we had the real Roxanne, the Roxanne Shantae. I think there was another one, right? Oh, there were so many Roxannes. I just remember falling deep into a rabbit hole of Roxannes and pretending to be one myself. (laughs) Yes, the era of response records. Dan, what was your introduction to hip hop? Well, like so many other folks, uh, it was hearing Rapper's Delight on the radio for the first time and thinking, Damn, what happened to Sheik's Good Times? What'd they do? Mm-hmm. They did a nice little flip. Okay, so, you know, both of you have had careers so closely associated and working with hip-hop. Dan, you were one of the first writers for The Source magazine, which was the magazine back in the 90s. What was that like writing as, as a young writer entering that space? Well, of course, you know, I followed in the footsteps of uh, folks who had been writing about it, sometimes in obscurity, you know, for many years. Nelson George, um, you know, really holds rightful title to being the first journalist to ever cover hip hop, period, right? Along Mm -hmm. with Rocky Ford at Billboard. He wrote a small article for the uh, Amsterdam News uh, back in, I think, maybe 78, something like that. But um, so I came along many years after and the source really was a magazine, really started as a newsletter at Harvard University, um, you know, because you really couldn't read astute, uh, you know, uh, uh, knowledgeable coverage of hip hop in most magazines. Um, There were some teen magazines that covered it. There were some alternative rock magazines that that did. The Village Voice did a nice job, but the source really was the first uh, publication to make hip hop its center. And really actually one of the first publications to codify the history of hip hop that we're now celebrating. So I, you know, I counted myself lucky even then to have a place to write about it. I remember being a young person, you know, going to grab the Source magazine for two things. You look in the back and see when the next album is going to come out from your favorite group, but also the reviews. I mean, if someone were able to get the venerable Five Mike review, that was instantly a hip hop classic. Did you give out any Five Mike reviews during your time there? Well, it's funny. I was there so early that the that the microphones had not coalesced yet. I think we were giving mm. records out. <laughs> like there were little record icons instead of the mic icons. Um, and I had gone on to, uh, you know, I, I went back into the the record business at that point. I would work for Rick Rubin, who was one of the co-founders of Def Jam. Um, but uh, listen, I was happy to have written the very first um, feature article on Ice Cube ever. Uh, the very first one on Public Enemy um, you know, I got a chance to go to LL Cool J's house and mm. interview him around the time that Mama Said Knock You Out came. I mean, listen, these are all like incredible memories that I'm just so grateful for. Yeah, those sound amazing. Now, Angela, I, in my opinion, OK Player took off 
took over where the source left off, you know? It's like if an album is mentioned with praise on that site, you knew it was going to be good. As a matter of fact, here's a point of clarity. My hip-hop group, Fresh Air, back in the day, we were trying so hard to get our stuff on OK Player uh, to no avail, but that's all right. You know, we've moved on. But, you know, talk to us about how you and Questlove got the idea to create this great website. It was so funny. It was the beginning. It was like the end of the 90s. And he knew that I was a nerd who was addicted to back then. It was called Usenet, where it was just a bunch of people on different computers talking, basically like a chat, but not in real time, like a message board, the first message board. And he asked me, he said, hey, I know you know how to do all that weird web stuff. We put um, okplayer.com on the back of our album, but there's absolutely nothing there. And none of us know how to do anything. (laughs) So (laughs) I literally quit my job and went in and started OK Player and reached out to people I knew from Usenet to come in and do the same thing they were doing over there, except where they could actually have the artists interact with them and get their feedback. What was that environment like? <laughs> to me, it was wonderful because I go back to women in hip hop and everything in the early days of hip hop was so patriarchal. And you had to wade through 25 conversations of who had the better butt before you got to the music you know, mm. with when you were talking with the men. And you kind of had to fight your way in that space as a woman. So for me, it was the first time that there were conversations centered around something other than women's looks in hip hop or what men preferred. We were, I really worked hard to make sure that every voice was heard. So for me, it was a utopia at first. It was really, it's really been at one of those, one of those destination places. Like to this day, people still go to OK Player. But you said something interesting about the early days of hip hop being this, you know, patriarchal society, um, male dominated space. But so many women have were instrumental in the growth of hip hop. Talk to me a little bit more about that. I mean, honestly, I don't even know if my name is still on OK Player. And I was happy that you guys invited me on. And there's so many women that I feel like books, everything, Joan Morgan, Bahamadia, all the Roxannes that don't get enough praise for what we really put our heart and soul in and built. So I feel like it's kind of evolving, but we seem to go back and forth on women's importance in hip hop. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Colonna. We're talking this hour about the impact of hip-hop and how the media helped to introduce it to the country and the world with Angela Nissel and Dan Charnas. You can tweet us your comments at This Is Nashville. Now, I'd love to get your what you all think of as seminal moments in hip-hop history. What was a moment where you thought, okay, hip-hop has raised itself to another level that it's, you know, that, that it, it can't fall from? Angela? You know, to me, it was when black stations at the beginning would advertise no rap work days as if if that was something we really wanted. Mm. And then finally, I remember working at a radio station and so many people were mad about them. Hip hop got them through their work day that we had to change it and be like, all rap work day. So for (laughs) me, that was like, it's coming around. It's coming around. Dan, what about you? You know, I think it's it's a combination for me of hearing Public Enemies bring the noise for the first time and seeing the cover of uh, of KRS, well, Boogie Down Productions, uh, by all means necessary. And to see that hip hop was, you know, maturing into this really enlightened political music, which is, you know, one of my entry points into it, not saying that hip hop, you know, has to be political. But to me, it just it just showed me that hip hop was 
musically and lyrically worthy of anything that had ever come before it. And I think to me, that's what I'm celebrating, you know, today is that just the genius of this music. There's a special moment that I think um, many people don't really look at as being uh, very important for hip hop, but I do. Let's listen to a clip that gives us a hint. It was just after 9.30 p.m. when the streetwalkers in Times Square were suddenly doused in darkness, when thousands of passengers on graffiti-scarred trains became stuck, often in tunnels. There was absolutely no panic, and you never know that there was any kind of emergency. At first, in much of the city, there was a spirit of calm resilience, civilians directing traffic. Surgery moved outside at Brooklyn Jewish Hospital to utilize car batteries as backup power. With her own power generation facility, the Statue of Liberty remained lit. But the tired, the poor, the huddled masses she beckoned soon became restless, agitated, and violent. The situation here in Brownsville was described as anarchy, war, rioting. It was terrible. I could see from my window there, everybody looting, taking furniture, everything. People was getting hurt, you know, stealing, looting. And it, it wasn't a pretty thing. It was awful. All right, what we just heard there are clips from NBC News 4 in New York City. That was during 1977 when the famous blackout hit New York City. And the reason why I think that's a seminal moment is because, obviously, as we heard at the top of the show, Cool Herc had developed the merry-go-round technique, and people had to get gear. Gear was expensive. The economy was pretty horrible in the country at the time, High unemployment was high in New York City. When those lights went out, certain folks, a lot of folks, went around and looted. They went to the music equipment stores and they got the gear. So suddenly in New York City, in my mind, where we had a certain set of people who had equipment, suddenly a whole lot of people had equipment and gear to start practicing the art of making hip hop. To me, that is a seminal moment. If it weren't for the blackout, would we have hip-hop as we do today? Wonderful question to ask and to get into. Now, you know, there's a lot of celebration for the 50th anniversary of hip-hop. Talk to me about the significance and what it means to you both. I mean, you both, your careers have been shaped by hip-hop in so many ways. Here we are in Nashville celebrating, but people all across the globe are. What does it mean to you, Dan, to be celebrating 50 years of this culture and music? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I'm surprisingly uh, emotional about it. Something happened last night. Uh, Q-Tip uh, from A Tribe Called Quest, he was rarely on social media. Mm -hmm. And he got on IG last night live to do a little DJ set. And he was DJing the breaks. And he wasn't doing it for attention. You know, there are only about 800 people on there. But he was. that was his way of giving thanks. He's like, these records, these holy sonic objects, uh, you know, Apache and Impeach and, you know, dozens of others are the sound of his childhood. They were the sound of my, my childhood and young adulthood. Uh, and just to be able to hear those records again, to hear again, the genius that put all those, those things together um, is just, incredible and yeah it 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 gave me uh 
of those 800 people who was watching that live stream uh, from Q-Tip yesterday. Angela, talk to me about what it means for you to be celebrating 50 years of hip hop. Woo, it means to me, perseverance. You take music out of the schools, we're still gonna find a way to make it and not only make it, but make it so it's such an important part of American history now. It just shows that no matter what you throw at us, we're gonna come back and make something out of your scraps. And I just, it makes me happy. You know, hip hop's place in American culture is, you know, as we've been talking, is firmly cemented, you know, but I think of like moments, things like, you know, your friend, Angela, Amir Quest Love Thompson, he's part of The Roots. The Roots have been on The Tonight Show for going on a decade. That's a show that reaches American audiences across the country. People who may not have even paid attention to hip hop, suddenly they see this talented hip hop band every night as they're watching their programming for entertainment. That That's kind of special, right? It's so special. And I wish that it's, I feel like the old head because I'm about as old as hip hop is. When I tell my niece and nephew, do you know that hip hop artists couldn't even be booked on shows back then? It's like, what? They can't imagine a world where there's not the roots on the Tonight Show. And I think we need programs like yours where we talk about this and tell people it wasn't always like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, hip hop is a month and a half older than I am. So I'm happy to be entering my 50s along with my good personal friend, hip hop. Now, you know, there's something that, you know, Dan, you talk about in your book when you talk about Jay Dilla. Um, ar- arguably, if you ask me, the greatest producer of all time. And Jay Dilla really did do a lot to change music. All of our listeners, check it out. You need to go check out Dan's book because he details how this man changed, was the first person to make live musicians change their style. But talking about the art of sampling, a lot of people have complained about it. Talk to me a little bit about that because I feel like sampling is something rather spiritual. We're taking music back in the day that was made during, you know, the civil rights movement. It had a particular energy to it. That energy on the two inch tape was transferred to early hip hop. To me, I feel that that's a part of how that energy was able to grow and spread. What's your, what's your, what are your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, well, that again, what we're celebrating on August 11th is essentially this idea of the break, which becomes in the hands of people like Grandmaster Flash, uh, a music bed for MCs to rock over. And it becomes essentially this idea that the DJ is a musician too, uh, and that his tools, whether they be the, the turntables or the sampler, are equal to that of traditional instrumentation. And that we're gonna be making new records out of bits and pieces of old ones. That's a radical, radical idea. And we've had some incredible practitioners of this art form from Marley Marl to Rick Rubin, to Pete Rock, to Q-Tip, to Premier. Um, And, you know, for many people, uh, including me, I think Dilla is really at the apex of that particular, uh, you know, he's the at the apex of the mastery of the drum machine as an instrument. But what really makes uh, Dilla the influential figure that he is today, actually Angela has a lot to do with that, right? Um, mm. Because it was on the boards of OK Player that folks could actually start talking and Questlove could make arguments about Dilla and that that uh, traditional 
uh, uh, drummers, you know, whether you have somebody like Questlove or Daru, be able to to take those musical concepts um, into the traditional instrumentation realm, which had never happened before. So it's just a, yet another example of of the genius that that we've been talking about. Angela, how do you feel about getting those awesome props? Oh my God, thank you. And I, I, as he's talking, I'm just thinking back when I got to witness Jay Dilla in the studio and just see how he creates, I didn't realize I was watching magic, you know? And there's, a lot of people think it's just talent, but it's hard work and how precise he was about everything. I'm talking about sleeping in the studio. You know, it was like, wow, do I want to do this? Or can I go back and write my college term paper? College term paper seems easier. <laughs> so he was just such a presence. And I wish I had known more about that back then. I was just like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> well, shoot, Angela, me too. <laughs> when, when I work with Dilla uh, in Detroit, I didn't even bring my camera to the session because I'm like, oh, you know, I mean, I didn't know. I didn't, I mean, he was like a favorite producer of mine. I didn't know he was Coltrane. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. But you, the, the beauty is you both were there and you have the memory and you're giving us a memory right now. Angela Nisa Niesel is the a writer, director, and co-founder of the music website OK Player. And Dan Charnas is the author of the New York Times bestseller Dilla Time, The Life and Afterlife of Jay Dilla, the hip-hop producer who reinvented rhythm. Thank you both for being with us today to cherish and celebrate hip-hop. It's an honor. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. All right, we need to take a quick break, but we think it's only fitting that we go out on a song that is a combination of The Roots and Jay Dilla. Here is Dynamite from The Roots album, Things Fall Apart. And when we come back, we'll talk with two local icons about how hip-hop music shaped their lives and how the culture is reflected in Music City. What is your memorable hip-hop moment? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Hip-hop is 50 years old. All over the world, people are celebrating this major achievement. Now, back in the day, naysayers said hip-hop was a fad and it wouldn't last. But here we are, honoring five decades of dope beats, fresh rhymes, ill cuts, and hype moves. And it's not going to stop anytime soon. But what lies ahead for hip-hop's future? And how is the culture reflected in Nashville? My next guests are here to break it down. Daru Jones is a professional drummer who's played with the likes of Jack White, Nas, Talib Kweli, Black Sheep, Diggable Planets, just to name a few. We don't have enough time to list all the people he's worked with, y'all. Tonight, he is throwing a very special celebration at Analog, featuring the legendary Pete Rock, Pharoah Monch, and AMXXR. Daru, thanks for being here. Welcome to This Is Nashville. Yo, appreciate you, Brother Khalil. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh. I appreciate all the, all, the, all the shouts. That's Amir. 
Amir. Amir. Okay, yeah. word. Yes. I was wondering how to pronounce it. <laughs> I didn't want to mess it up. And uh, he's joined by DJ C. Wiz, legendary DJ on 97Q FM. He's been breaking records for Nashville, all over Nashville for over 20 years. He joined us on our hip hop episode back in March, if y'all remember. C. Wiz, thanks for being here and welcome back to the show, my friend. What's happening? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Man, it's good to have you both. All right, so hip hop is 50. Yes. How y'all feel about that? Ah, it's 50. We got 50 more. You know what I'm saying? We're just going to keep this thing going. I'm feeling some kind of way. In, yeah. a, in a good way, though. In a good way, right? <laughs> it's like it's good to be older, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. And to appreciate it. All right, so what were what were y'all hip-hop moments? Daru, what was that moment where you knew that hip-hop was your music? Oh, man, the Run DMC. Okay. Yeah. Run DMC. Just yeah. the whole swag, you know, the, the Adidas. Well, you know, I, let me let me, let me, let me be, let me be transparent. I grew up Pentecostal, super religious, Church of God in Christ, no secular music. Okay. But when I went to school, I'm just fast forward. My friends, they were talking about this hip hop. I'm like, what's hip hop? So I want to be down. So that was my introduction. And then I got it, you know, introduced to LL Cool J and Run DMC and the list goes on. Were you like sneaking cassette tapes into the house? I was definitely doing that. I, actually, actually, I had a boom box and I would put my, my boom box to the television and wait for the, the videos to come on, I would record from the... Wow. Nice. <laughs> cheat code, cheat code. You got to do what you got to do, right? See, yes. so, so. Wiz, what was your moment? Uh, my moment was pretty much the same. Uh, I grew up in a Baptist uh, uh, house, and, you know, my, my father was a pastor. And, um, I mean, I did listen to music all the time, but, you know, I did have to sneak and listen to NWA and Easy e mm -hmm. And, like, their aggression, like, it just kind of drew me in. So that's pretty much where it started. Yeah, I had to sneak listening to NWA, the first album straight out of Compton, because yeah. I was playing it one day, and I had my boombox in the window, and my mother comes home from work, and she was like, who is that playing that music? It's you, boy. And I got I got grounded, but right. from then on, I had to listen to NWA with my headphones. You, you know what else a struggle was? Two Live Crew, the first album. Oh, Two Live Crew. Yes, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Okay, so let's talk yes, about yes, that, right? Okay. So Two Live Crew, first album, as nasty as they want to be, made national noise because of claims of being lewd and indecency, and they, were, they got arrested when they were in Dade County, Florida. Right. That kind of threw hip-hop in the national scene in a way when it introduced people. Reflect on that moment. Well, I mean, you know, they, they were very, very big on getting their point across in just the whole freedom of speech thing. So, I mean, it was it was a it was a knee jerk shock because nobody had ever challenged, quote unquote, challenged the system before. So I was here for it. Uh, but, you know, to, to, to your point, I was thinking of more like two live is what we are mm -hmm. uh, and it moved something before the uh, as nasty as they want to be. Those albums were pretty, pretty, pretty rough. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and also Beastie Boys. Yeah. Beastie uh -huh. Boys, you know, they had some, but yeah, it, it was, I mean, for me, I just gravitated towards the, the music because I was a musician. I started playing drums at four. So I was trying to figure out, like, how can I appreciate this this genre? Because it was a lot of profanity, you know, yeah. speaking NWA and, and, and the list goes on. But, you know, um, just trying to keep it Christian Mingles. <laughs> I was like, well, how can I appreciate this genre? So I just gravitated towards the music, and I was a drummer. And I remember um, when I got introduced to the B-Box, the B-Boxing era, like okay. yeah. um, Fat Boys and, and Dougie Fresh. I was like, man, that's word. They playing the snare drum with their mouth. So I, I eventually learned how to B-Box and, and 
people considered me, they said I was one of the best, I guess, at that time. Okay. But they didn't know the Chico. They know I was a drummer. Oh, right. <laughs> so I was able to do yeah. because I was a drummer. <laughs> so was you, like, you were breaking out techniques that they never thought of. I was, I was beatboxing Phil's. <laughs> I was like, yo. Can, can you show us a little something? Chill, chill, chill. Okay. Really? <laughs> Come on, man. Let's rock it to the break of dawn, I'm like, man. Man. Beat, beat, y'all. I, I think I can still do, uh, uh, let me see. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> he was four bars away from me trying to figure this out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Dang, I did that in the grip. I still got it. You got it. You, still, you always Dang, got it. It's like riding a bike, right? Yes. Dang. And you know, hip hop has got these regional sounds. New York has yeah. got a sound. Yeah. West Coast got their sound. Houston's got a sound. As we were talking about Two Live Crew, mm. Miami, South yeah. Florida got a sound. Atlanta and Chicago have made their mark. Nashville. Yes. Does Nashville have a sound? I would say that we're we're figuring out the sound cuz you know we 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 have a we we have more of a gumbo hip hop scene because you know when I was working at New Life Records like I heard you know uh Nashville rappers that had a west coast sound right you know Nashville rappers that had more of a uh, East Coast, uh, more of a mindful sound, you know, and then we also have rappers that had that Southern sound. So I would like to say that we're more of a gumbo pot than anything right now. That's so what I think. A little bit of mix yes. of a whole bunch of different stuff. When Adaru, you playing with people, all of, you fly across the world to play with folks, and you definitely hold it down here in town. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I'm still new to the community. I mean, I've been here for about seven years, but um, coming here from New York City. But I'm definitely finding out, you know, what the vibe is. And I, and yeah. I definitely agree with C as far as, like, you know, the gumbo and it's, it's a mix. And I'm glad, I mean, now I definitely see, because there's a lot of people moving in town like myself from out of, from other cities. So now, you, you you know, you're getting a chance to get some of that East Coast and some of that, you know, yeah. the West Coast, and it's all coming together. So it's I think it's a good time. You know, you, you do a lot of work with Jack White. And it's interesting, like, to see the folks who don't make hip-hop who are absolutely in love with hip hop? I know Jack White's a hip hop fan. What are some of the discussions y'all have? That's a good question. So I, I was telling C and um, another gentleman, it's crazy because when, before we would go out on stage, we, we listen to a playlist of hip hop records, <laughs> hip hop and, and rock and roll, obviously. But like we're playing like Wu Tang, you know, Triumph. You know what I'm saying? Before yeah. we go on stage, we listen to a tri Tribe Called Quest and all of the things. So you know, I think we all grew up, you know, um, with the same taste. You know, mm -hmm. that, that 90s hip-hop, and, and it's very cool, like, you know, to, for him, you know, being a, a rock and roll icon. And, um, you know, we all we all grew up, it's cool because we all grew up, you know, with, with the same taste in music. So it's, I mean, like, Jack does, you know, he nerds out, he nerd out, but he also knows some of these people like Q-Tip. So, you know, they, they have a friendship, and it's just cool, you know, we can, like, I remember when we, when we, were, when we were recording, it's a track called Lazaretto. Mm. It's, just, it's on the second, on the second release, that's the title track. And that track was inspired by MC Light, Cha Cha Cha. Okay. So I remember when wow. we were in the studio, he was like, "Yo, he we, he was like, I want to make something like this." And we were bugging out. We I was tripping that he even knew the record. Okay. But he was like, "Yeah, we want to, you know, I want to, I want us to create something like this." So we went in the studio, and and that's that's documented. So ain't no copywriting, you know, no no infringements. Yeah. But yeah, that 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 record was inspired by Cha Cha Cha, um, by MC Light. That's something. And you know, like talking about Jack White and all these different people loving hip hop, and I look at it. Hip hop is kind of we we are of the generation that is truly the first integrated generation yeah. in American history. Hip hop comes up with us. I know so many people 
who got together, formed friendships, relationships, and bonds because of hip-hop. I can't think of another cultural movement or musical movement that has done that. What's that experience been like for you, see? Uh, it, it's been great because I have a lot of friends who, you know, we just used to go back and forth about music and, and, the, and the cassette tapes and the singles and all that other oh, stuff. You know man. what I'm saying? You took me and, back. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's just how friendships were formed. So, yeah, I, I 110% agree with you that, you know, hip-hop has formed some lifelong friends. You know, so I, I got to agree. Okay, you said cassette tapes and singles. Yes. Look, any young person who don't know, if you don't know what we're talking about, you're going to have to Google it. All right? Single. singles. Yes. And the technology in hip-hop has changed. Yes. Yo, you know, to add on on that, you know, like back in the days, you know, we when we, we, we had Nintendo, you know, you know what? I'm thinking everybody in the room in Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, back in the days, you would trade with your friends. If they had a cartridge that you didn't have, the game, you would trade. So we would do that with cassette tapes. Yes. With the singles, you know. It was yep. like, yo, oh, you got that that Crooklyn Dodgers? Let, let me trade you for the, you know, for the brat or whatever that was out. Yes. We used to, we used to trade. We used to trade, you know, I remember, cassettes. I remember begging this kid, Damon, in my neighborhood for about two months to let me borrow his boombox so I can listen to my Fat Boys tape. Damn. Wow. You got to do what you got to do. I bought a whole bunch of Icy's that summer. Now, we got we got a tweet from Brad Cannon. He asks, what are your recommendations for 10 albums to start my hip hop collection? Thank you. All right, fellas. Let's do five and five. All right. Gangstar Hard to Earn. Shout out to DJ Premier. Rest in peace, Guru. Um, Slum Village. Fantastic. Volume two. Volume two. Mm -hmm. Volume two. Um, Jay Dilla, Rough Draft EP. Mm -hmm. um, Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders. Wu-Tang Clan entered the um, 36 Chambers. 36 Chambers. All right. Five, C. Five. Okay, well, I'm just going to go a different direction. So I'm going to say uh, The Chronic. I'm going to say Doggy Style. I'm going to say UGK Riding Dirty. I'm going to mm -hmm. say uh, Ghetto Boys, We Can't Be Stopped. Mm -hmm. And I will say... Ah, uh, Juvenile 400 Degrees. Juvenile 400 Degrees. Hey, Juvenile hey, just did some damage on the NPR Tiny Desk yes. concert, you know? Oh, my goodness. And that's and, and so, so, so check it out, Brad. You just got a wide range of hip-hop from different eras and different regions. I will say this. Listen to De La Soul is Dead oh, as well. That is a wonderful album. Yes. But to, real quick, to talk about technology, because back in the day, you know, as we were coming up— uh -huh. You, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have nope. technology to make music easy. You had to earn it. I make beats. I learned by doing pause tapes yep. back in the day. You know, talk to me about technology, how that has really influenced and changed the modern day hip hop that we're listening to. How y'all feel about that? Well, See? well, let me say this, you know, and, and I think I can speak for anybody who really, really, really appreciates the uh, 50 years of hip hop. And that fact is we were forced to figure it out. You know, we had to use repetition. We sat in there for hours and hours and hours and hours. So, you know, we were very, you know, hip hop was a little more thorough back then because it's so easy and so quick now. A lot of that, I don't want to use the word passion, but a lot of that hard work and labor is out the window because technology has sped up everything. So mm -hmm. that's where I think the big change is. That's mm -hmm. that's my that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, just to add on to that, it was no cheat code back, back in the days. No YouTube, you know what I'm saying? You got yeah. to figure it out. And from what I was told, a lot of the producers, even, even, if, if, if when you guys watch the Hulu series, the Wu Tang series, they 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 touch on how um, RZA, a lot of those cats, they didn't they didn't read the manual when they got the equipment, they mm. just figured it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think for me, 
figuring it out, it just it, it forced me to be creative. It forced me to figure out how to make it work. So you got cats that use the old school, the M, you know, the um, what's the first one that everybody uses? MPC. MPC, but the other one. Oh, the, S- the EMU, the, uh, the SP twelve hundred. Yeah, SP twelve hundred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like those devices that had like less sample time. And I remember starting on S nine hundred Akai. Okay. I had to wreck them out, you know what I'm saying? But I was a shorty. I was always like the, the short, hanging around a lot of older people. They brought me to the studio and they, they they showed me how to use that gear. And I was like, yo, the sample, you ain't had that much sample time. And then I had the Casio, the old school Casio keyboard. with SK-1? Yes. Yeah. Somebody give me that when I was a young teenager. I was like, yo, this is crazy. Do you mean I can t- I can record somebody and, and, and it, can, it can talk on its own? Yeah. Like I was bugging yes. out. It's like, this is how they doing it? And then eventually I learned how to use the S900. But I would just say um, to fast forward, um, I think there's an advantage of of, of fi- figuring things out because you learn how to find your 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 your, your vibe, mm-hmm. your sound, you know, your identity, you know. And I feel like the newer stuff, everybody's using the same um, the same programs, the same effects. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Nobody's really, you know, trying to, you know, um, ain't nobody digging. No, it, name, yeah. It's harder to innovate when everything you have everything at your fingertips. When right. you don't have it, you got to figure it out, like you both yeah. mentioned. Yeah. Now, I do want to get to the local hip-hop celebrations of hip-hop being here for 50 years. Daru, tell us what you got in store. Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm, 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 I'm super excited. This is my third installment with Analog. It's, it's, a, it's a venue in the, in the Hutton Hotel. Yeah. Um, the hotel is dope, and, and, and um, I started this series called Fam Jams. Fam, family jams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the third installment. So this time I was able, we were able to bring in my good friend and brother. And I wanted, I, I should have added this to the, 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 the 10 list, Pete Rock. Oh, Soul yes. Survivor is one of my favorite records. Yes. So that's definitely in that that batch. Yes. But yeah, we, we got Pete Rock is coming in town, and, and Pete Rock's formed a band called the Soul Brothers. So all original members are not in town, so we got we got members from the original lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, Jermaine Holmes on vocals. We got Marcus Machado on guitar. Um, Brandon Newsom, who's local, um, on percussion. We have Christopher McBride, amazing um, saxophonist. And then we have a couple guest musicians, um... Um, Chad Self, he's also playing with the other band that I'm going to mention in a second. And then we have my my, my good friend David Ginyer, DJ, on bass. So we, we, we're going to be playing tonight. We're going to be doing a set. And then other band that's in town, my good brother, Farrell Munch from mm. Organized Confusion. Yes. And we have a group called 13. And it's a, it's a hip-hop and rock. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Come, you know, that vibe. Okay. And, and we have a, and, and I'm a part of that trio. It's Farrell Munch. He's the leader, the lead, the lead vocalist. And it's Marcus Machada, guitarist, the same from Pete Rock's band, and it's myself as a drummer. So all, we all going to, this is our celebration that we want to bring to Nashville, to bring that flavor, you know, to to, to celebrate the day. And I'm excited. Yeah. Um, doors at 8, 8 p.m. Um, the showtime is 9. And, um... Link in the bio. There's still some tickets left. Still Get it before, tickets. They, before they go on. All but right. yeah, that's, that's what's popping tonight. Look, I'll be there because I have the honor of hosting oh, that's right. the okay. event. Okay. All right. So real quick, we got to go real quick. But I, I, actually, we have to go. I got to make this happen, man. I could talk to y'all fellas all day. But it's thank you for being here and Appreciate celebrating it. 50 years of hip hop. I want to thank my guests, drummer Daru Jones and DJ C Wiz. Thank you both for being here to help us celebrate this wonderful time. We're going to go out on this classic from the amazing Eric B and Rakim. Here's Paid in Full. Yes, sir. Thank you for tuning in this hour to Nashville. This is Nashville. We're a production of WPLN News. Our senior producer is Steve Superdope Perouche, Michaela Mixmaster. 
Elias is our technical director. Elizabeth Easy B. Burton was on the live tweeting. Today's episode was produced by Biz Marquise Munson and Pope Yes, Yes, Y'all. You can find this episode anywhere you find podcasts. Just look up thisisnashville.org. Conversation doesn't end here. You can tweet us. Hey, this is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We'll see you on Monday, everybody. And be good to each other.